Good evening, and welcome to this, the inaugural episode of It's 1985 Good Morning. I'm your host slash creator, Corey Fry. I'm not actually your creator, just the creator of the show. Um, if I have anything to do with you, I'd appreciate it if you gave my parents a call on Christmas because they've been praying for a long, long time that someone like you existed, and it would be doing me a solid because it would finally get them off my back. I just, I ask that you don't ask me for money, okay? I'm a journalist. Uh, first of all, you're probably wondering, who gave a frog-throated nobody a podcast? And I would just like to say that I have legitimate credentials, okay? I am an award-winning writer. I'm a legitimately published author. I get quarterly reports and everything. But most of all, I have a podcast because I am an over-caffeinated, 46-year-old white liberal with horrifically juvenile delusions of grandeur. I live in a tiny apartment near a graveyard. I wear moth-eaten cardigans, and I, I, also, I also have two rain-dampened jackets festooned with buttons promoting presidential candidates who failed and died many years ago. So, of course, I deserve a podcast, okay? So, the first hurdle, of course, is, uh, you know, putting one together. And so, after I kind of initially sat down and pondered the podcast, I then spent the next 10-12 minutes researching LinkedIn, and I found a guy with a 3.6 average rating from a bunch of people with very impressive headshots, guy named Gary Beavers, if you can believe that, isn't that something? He's a podcast consultant. So I bust Gary in from L.A., where he lives. And uh, just to give you some perspective, you would take the Montebello 10 line from almost the corner of Rosemead and Whittier Boulevard in Pico Rivera. It's about a block or so from the in and out. And, and no, not the rapid 720 red line from Santa Monica, because that has limited stops, and it ends up taking you all the way to Pershing Square, and you have to backtrack on foot. And believe me, in that area, you don't want to do that. I'm serious. Anyway, you go through Montebello, of course, and the City of Commerce, I, I've never known why they call it the City of Commerce, because it looks like hell. And uh, <coughs> if you have the time, there's this fantastic bakery, I can't remember the street, but it's this neat old converted theater right there in the heart of East Los Angeles, you can't miss it, it's white stucco, it's got red trim and a marquee. And they make the best, God, they make the best, if you can believe this, sausage beignets of all things, all right? I know it sounds kind of gross, but the way the powdered sugar blends with the blue cheese, oh, God, it's, it's, it's mouth-watering already. Anyway, you can re-catch the Montebell 10 practically at the front entrance and take it almost to the end of the line, just over the bridge. Um, it'll drop you off right at the periphery of Skid Row, where no one quite shits in doorways yet, but it'd still be advisable to carry singles or some kind of implement that won't leave visible scars or bruises. And then it's about a two-block walk and a hang to the left of the Greyhound Station, where the bathrooms are actually pretty nice. So Gary Beaver shows up, and for about a week we work on my diction. And he tells me something interesting. He, he says that Oregonians are historically a consonant-based people, especially where I live here in the uh, Mid-Willamette Valley. And, and actually, it's true. I mean, we're taught from a very early age that vowels are for fuckboys, and they're kind of browbeaten out of you along with any real ambition or dreams you may have harbored in your youth. So I had to relearn enunciation. I mean, he had me reading sentences like, 
Would you like to see my lawnmower in repose? And mayonnaise does not belong solely to the powerful. Then he asks me what I thought I should do with my voice. And I said, well, um, I, I guess I'll just use my natural speaking voice. And he's like, oh, stop, stop right there. You never podcast in your natural speaking voice. And I'm like, really? He goes, give me the hottest name in audio right now. And I'm like, oh, that's easy. Duh, Ira Glass. He's like, correct. Okay. Now, how does Ira Glass speak? And I'm like, well, he goes, uh, this is WBZ Chicago. I'm Ira Glass. Today on This American Life. And he's like, stop, 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 stop. Okay, that's perfect. Right. Now, two or three years ago, I'm in Chicago getting a hot dog at Wolfie's. And who do I see at the counter but Greg Cott and Ira Glass, two of the biggest interlocutors in the business. I'm like, wow. I wonder what they're talking about, these massive, heavy hitters of language. Anyway, this, this is, he, it, Ira is just loud, all right? Just dog plumbing, losing his ever-loving mind. There's too much ice in his root beer, the sauerkraut's Republican, whatever. He collars this girl, this poor cashier, and he yells, I ordered four pepper packets with my french fries. You gave me six. This is wasteful. This is unconscionable. And I hope you choke on your own fucking blood. I'm like, damn, Ira Glass. Anyway, back to my voice. All right, he goes, your natural speaking voice, it ain't going to cut it, all right? How many podcasts have you done? And I, I really had to sit and think about it, and I, I, I said, uh, well, I've done about three in the last ten years, uh, once as a guest, uh, once as a, as a host, and then about ten or eleven years ago, I did one as a co-host. He goes, all right, so not that often. You want to know why you don't do podcasts that often? I go, why? And he goes, because you sound like an asshole. When you're not boring, you're overbearing. When you're not quiet, you're too loud. You need to relax. Take it down. Smooth it out. Mm, that's right. You got to go Fogelberg. You got to go Pendergrass. Maybe add a little vocal fry. You need to deepen that tone, son, to increase your virility. Sire a male heir to perpetuate your dynasty. Speak like it's midnight at YOUFM, and you're right about to spin the first three cuts of Heart Attack and Vine. Speak like you're reading your unpublished poetry to a hooker you've just murdered and then you need music yeah you need royalty free music I know you had your heart set on Joe Walsh I too think I can play that rock and roll is an underappreciated gem but he's never gonna answer your emails boy no matter how gushing they may be so gotta take it free you gotta get something jazzy you gotta get something ethereal something tinged with the smidge of acid yeah that's exactly what I'm talking about and then you gotta take that mellow to sing into your very first commercial It's your first commercial. Happy commerce to you. Hello. 
I'm Daryl Wellbouts, owner of Hangar 18. You have quarters, we have games. Defender, Tempest, Popeye, Centipede, Foo Fight, Trioluck at Pole Position, Baby Pac-Man, Donkey Kong Jr., Spy Hunter. If you play track and field and you break your favorite comb, do not worry. We will replace it at no charge to you. We even have pinball. No waiting, except on Haunted House. Do you dare wave the holes? And do not forget the Dig Dug Championship this Saturday as Memorial 6th grader Big Daddy Jimmy Sawyer defends his city title against newcomer Harmony Castle whose family has moved here all the way from Beaverton. But do not just take my word for it. See for yourself at Hangar 18 on Pacific Boulevard and visible from the Taco Bell drive-thru. So I'm like, ah, okay, I guess I gotta tone my swerve down. And then he goes, well, I'd, I'd be remiss as a podcast consultant if that was it. Now, we gotta work on your persona. And I'm like, persona? I, I have one of those already. It's, it's like my personality. And he's all, you have no personality. I've seen you at Safeway. The automatic doors don't even open for you unless you throw something at them. You're like a vampire, but lame as fuck. But luckily for you, I've put together this dossier with some suggested cadences and a completely new background. Okay, see, you strike me as a guy who started freelancing for Pitchfork in your late 20s because you made a big deal out of being a small-town hick with pedestrian tastes, but you were cosmopolitan in your heart, but then Chuck Klosterman came along and he was better than you because he was surrounded by cows and you were surrounded by 7-Elevens, and he wrote a more poignantly amusing essay about Martika than you did, and Martika linked to it in her email blasts, and then eventually met Klosterman for drinks where they inescapably fell in love, both admitting their chemistry was too crazy to ignore as they rapidly slashed at their outer garments in the darkness of Klosterman's Brooklyn sublet and tumbled in mutual ecstasy into a blissful life of attractive children and cutesy poster reminders to pick up yogurt at their neighborhood boho co-op to slather across each other's live bodies under the moonlight so you freaked out and decided one night you were really into heavy metal at a time when heavy metal was still on the Populi, Ixnay, and that, that was to be your stick. And now you're working on a proposal for the guys at 33 and a third, 22,000 words about Dawkins' beast from the east, but that shock ship has sailed, brother, leaving you old, marticulous, and embittered with a brave facade, but a permanently shattered timber I like to call Cinnamon Bonhomme. Cinnamon Bonhomme. I like the sound of that. Even if I've mispronounced it, I like it. It suits me somehow. And as for the tone of the focus of the show, I'm not sure what that's going to be yet, or even if it exists beyond this episode. There are so many things I would like to accomplish podcast-wise. For instance, I would love to sit down with my old buddy Josh Dobbin and talk about our favorite performances from Sirs Ralph Richardson and John Gielgud in movies of our youth. I think we could spend an hour on Time Bandits alone and Chariots of Fire. Great movie. Josh probably disagrees, but he's wrong. Fuck him. Imagine me illustrating the filmography of Mr. Benjamin Cross, 
from athlete Harold Abrams in an Academy Award-winning scene, sprinting with Dennis Christopher and the late Brad Davis in one of cinema's most iconic shots set on a beach to Vangelis, or Vangelis, or whatever, who cares? But we'd cover everything, from Chariots of Fire to Benjamin's confusing turn as an evil redneck cop in last year's Hurricane Heist. I could talk to fellow authors, journalists, record producers, city councilors, pretty civic leaders, that girl at the sub shop. What does she think of the Russia probe? What does she think of post-up all-night slaughter? What does Mark Slaughter think of egg salad sandwiches? I mean, imagine me and Mark Slaughter eating egg salad sandwiches and potato chips for an entire hour, never saying a word, just enjoying each other's gluttony. What kind of Kool-Aid would we drink together? Does he prefers, prefer his more watery than mine? When's the last time I even had a pitcher of Kool-Aid? Is that something you abandon with the rest of your childhood frivolities? Is Howard Jones's No One Is To Blame a belated prequel to Phil Collins's In The Air Tonight? There are so many questions and not enough answers. I hope to make a dent in some of them. And if not a dent, maybe an imprint of my nose. Join me, won't you, in this pointless journey? But not today. I'm finishing my laundry. Get lost. Thank you for listening. I'm Corey Fry, and this has been It's 1985. Good morning. Second commercial, not as thrilling as the first. Hello, I'm Daryl Wellbouts, owner of the Marco Polo Hotel. You have quarters, we have beds. Watch basic cable on the best Magnavox sets in town. Take a refreshing dip in our pool until 5 p.m. Drink complimentary coffee in our lobby with the nice policemen who always seem to be here. Please do not disturb our hourly rate clients. Enjoy a continental breakfast or wait for the Dairy Queen to open next door. You say Marco, we say Polo, but for 12 bucks a night, we can both call it home. <laughs>